You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Okay, everyone, let's be honest here. Whether you are living abroad or at home, having a financial plan is vital to charting your financial future. I know that some of us really don't like talking about money because it can be overwhelming, which is why you may want to consider speaking with the professionals at Smith Brewer Advisors. From retirement to investment management and estate and tax planning, an experienced financial advisor at Smith Brewer Advisors will help you create a plan to meet your financial goals. And what's awesome? They empower their clients to make the right decisions for their individual situation. To learn more about working with a fiduciary financial advisor, visit smithbreweradvisors.com. Proud sponsors of the Global Chatter podcast. Smith Brewer Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. One of the absolute joys I get from having this podcast is that I get to introduce you to some wonderful people. I like to think that I have some pretty interesting guests who come on the show. And as you know, I say that at the start of almost every episode. But closely related to that is that I enjoy hearing the different nuances in these stories, especially from those I've known for a while. Amel Degaree certainly fits that category. I met Amel years ago through the Families in Global Transitions, or FIGT for short, conference. We most likely had crossed paths in earlier encounters as we have sh many shared friends and acquaintances in the sexpat space. But it was probably around 2018 that I know we definitively spoke to each other because Amel was part of a panel that I was moderating at the conference in The Hague. Since then, we have kept in touch and followed each other both on and offline. Amel is a business and marketing coach, speaker, and podcast host. After a career in advertising, she quit her job to join her husband abroad and launch her first business consulting corporate companies while living on the move. Years later, she saw a critical need 
to support other expat spouses and global nomads in finding their own source of fulfillment and financial independence. So she launched Tandem Nomads. Through her podcast show, online courses, workshops, and coaching services, she helps global entrepreneurs start or grow a successful, portable business that is aligned with their lifestyle. In this episode, Amel and I dive deep into her global backstory, which starts as the child of an Algerian diplomat. She discusses the impact of those early experiences and how they have influenced her modern expat story. She gets personal about her marriage and the accompanying change in life status that would create a career pivot and a successful business. Amel is empathetic and a strategic thinker. You'll hear her talk about doing things that are viable, sustainable, and profitable. And as you will find, it doesn't just apply to business, but life in general. Welcome to the Global Chatter. All right, so we're back with the latest episode of the Global Chatter. And as always, I'm excited about my guest because I think I choose the coolest people to come on here. And I know I say that with every episode, but I don't think I've been wrong yet. (laughs) So the trend is going to continue. And I know if you've listened to the intro, which you did to get to this point, you already know who my guest is. So Amel, how are you doing today? I'm excited to be here. I'm doing great. I think we both had crazy week this week and I'm like super pumped and at the same time exhausted. Looking forward to the weekend, but really excited (laughs) for this chat is particularly. (laughs) Same, same. And you know, I have had the privilege of being on your podcast twice. And, And so it was just so natural to have you to come on mine because I think that having your story shared is just something that my audience who may not be familiar with you or is going to enjoy. But Thank more you. importantly, I just think you're really interesting. So I'm selfish. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with your listeners. I love your podcast as well. And your story is just amazing as well. So I hope your listeners get to hear it. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's where I like to always start because this is the global chatter. So the question always is, where in the world are you right now? Physically, I'm in Vienna, Austria right now. Okay. So then there was always the next question. What took you to Vienna? Oof, that's a long story. (laughs) But I am married to an Austrian man. And uh, yeah, that's the connection to Austria. I have become Austrian. We've been married now for 12 years. Yeah, we just (laughs) celebrated 12 years this week, of course. And, uh, (laughs) and, um, yeah, so that's the reason that brought me to Vienna. He has a job that leads him to travel the world a lot. And, um, and that's, um, the time where we keep rotating all the time. And now it's the time for him to come back to headquarters before we might go somewhere else. And so with that, I think we kind of have to start from the beginning with you and kind of dial it back to how you even end up in in Vienna. And so where did you grow up and what was your background? 
<laughs> I think a lot of you might who are listening might relate to that, that probably like it's hard for me to answer the question where I come from because I've been a global nomad my whole life since birth. So to make it short, I am originally from Algeria, north of Africa, and I was born in India and uh, I was raised across India, Serbia, Uganda, France, in Algeria. So I've, the first 10 years of my life, I had already moved in so many countries and, and it has shaped a lot. My identity, I used to call myself a global citizen when I was younger, because it was really hard to answer the question where it come from. And at some point I was like, at the age of 15, I think I told my parents, you're ruining my career. <laughs> I'm like, this is not possible. Like, I would keep moving school systems and I was exhausted of adapting all the time. And at that point in Uganda, there was not even a high school. I did this correspondence studies and I was telling to my parents, this, is, this can't keep going like this. We need, I need to go to France or somewhere where I could go to high school and finish my high school. Although I had a great education, it was time for me to like, so at the end, my parents agreed and they let me go at the age of 16 to France, where I lived on my own in my own apartment, went to high school, which is just crazy when I think about it now. And uh, and then continued my studies in France, started um, working there, did different jobs while studying. And then I got hired by an American company by accident, although the, <laughs> that's, that's another story I could tell another time. It was, but I ended up working in uh, the U.S. for a company, a publishing company, I was selling their encyclopedias door to door <laughs> in Utah. And then, <laughs> and then I loved it so much and had a good success rate, which led me to become a manager, come back to France, hire my team while studying, train my team while studying, and then took my team, my French team with me back to the US to LA, California, where I continued to sell and manage my team. And that's when I'm like, I don't want to go back. So I negotiated with my university. Can I transfer my credit to the US? Can you find me a university here where I can continue my master's, my MBA? And they actually accepted because I was very involved in the development of the university as well, the management. And they, yeah, they let me continue my MBA in Arizona as an exchange student there. So, and that's when I was like, oh my God, okay, wh where am I going to? settle now i need to figure this out and i decided to go to france and i was like no i'm done now with traveling i'm gonna sit here and i started my career in advertising it was really going really well and my parents were like are you sure don't you want to be a diplomat as well don't you want to try i said nope i'm done i will never move again and i will never give up my career for a guy because they were also asking me about marriage and never say never because a few months after that conversation i went to visit my parents in iran and the first night I met with Michael, who became my husband just a year after that. And I quit my job, moved to Iran. And that's when I started my business as a consultant, because I knew that I was not going to be able to keep up my career on the move. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just trying to summarize the whole story. But from there, another whole journey started that led to what I do now. Okay, so I didn't even know all those pieces. And I, my <laughs> the audience can't see my face right now. They're just like, <laughs> I and another surprise, and another surprise. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to try and take it back to one point. And I think you already you kind of hit on it in, in a roundabout way. Your family was in the diplomatic corps for Algeria. Yeah. OK, yes. and and that's what uh, having done this enough, I assumed they were probably <laughs> diplomats or there was business or there was military. Right. Those are the All right. Yeah. You know, the yeah. things uh, like, no, not for me. Thank you. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, what's super crazy, I think, with with 
you know, if we use the term third culture kids. Yeah. I'm not surprised you had a point where you said, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I want to be stable for a little bit. Cause I feel like that's a marker with a lot of them, right? Like you truly were highly mobile for a long time. And you're right. I can't believe your parents let you have an apartment <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a long, another long story, but but there was an uncle, a remote uncle, not a direct uncle. Uh, in Algeria, you call uncle everybody, right? Yeah, but um, who actually would come every night in my apartment, in my small studio, to check if there was no boys below <laughs> below the bed or in the bathtub. So I was in in very close surveillance, and I was not allowed to tell anybody that I lived alone. Well, that was really hard, actually. I had to deal with so much bullying. There was such a disconnect at the age of 16 with somebody who lives on their own. And my friends were my teachers. So, right. <laughs> so it was really uh, crazy and hard time. But eventually it made me who I am today. So I really appreciate my parents for giving me that opportunity and that trust. It takes so much strength to let a kid go so young. So did you, well, I have two questions. One, are you an only child or do you have siblings? No, I have a brother. Okay. Yeah. And and my second question is, and I, I'm always kind of interested with, with folks who kind of move around as a young age. Mm -hmm. What do, what do you think your relationship was with your identity? Obviously, with with your parents moving around and being diplomats. But mm -hmm. what do you think your relationship was with your identity with being Algerian? Oh, this is a big one. Oh, we need another whole hour. On this one. <laughs> but basically... It was a ping pong and, and and roller coaster in terms of identity, be it my relationship with my country and also my relationship as a global nomad and trying to fit in in every place I go. Like in one of the biggest places where I had to do the biggest work of fitting in is France because the historic relationship between these two countries is so complex and immigration is like a big topic in France. So when you come from Algeria and at that time it was a country that was in terrible, terrible turmoil um, with the terrorism and, and all of that. And, and it was really hard. Honestly, it was really hard to be Algerian and for many years, I put that aside. I kind of, I I have a bit of trauma because the only four years I lived in Algeria were the times where at the age of 10, where you see things you're not supposed to see. It was in the middle of the, what the Western world called the civil war, which was not a civil war because the civilians were not killing each other. Terrorists were killing the civilians. That's not a whole story about how media portrays certain things, but um, at the age of 10, I was aware of death and, and violence and saw things that you're not supposed to see. And I've lived in countries in wars and, and all of that. So I think that it took me a lot of, I kind of back, backed off a little bit my identity with Algeria for a long time. And interestingly, it's once I got married that I actually got back to getting closer to my my passport country i went back to algeria to prepare the wedding and that's when i'm like wow this country is amazing <laughs> you know so um i feel much closer to my algerian identity but i also feel more grounded with the range of different identities that i have it took me a long time to get to that point there's so many angles to this conversation that i could bring up <laughs> no and i i appreciate your your candor because i think when you are a kid who moves around I mean, I went through the same thing. You're trying to figure out your relationship with these different passport places in addition mm -hmm. to where you live. And then I, I was curious about it, having you live in, lived in France and coming from a country, which I, I am aware of some of the history, how it could, there can be a tension there, right? Like oh, It was how, hard. Yeah, I needed to, I needed to basically 
um, ignore, like I integrated so well with my French friends that I actually forgot that I was Algerian and I was, I'm a Muslim and I used to pray and, and do all the things, things, but I would do it hiding. I would not show it up. I mean, I did not hide it in purpose. I just realized that people just didn't want to hear about it. Like when I had my religious celebrations, nobody would care when you know, it was like almost like, why are you telling me about this? Right. So at some point over the years, I just decided to live my private identity privately, mm-hmm. be it religiously or even in terms of country culture, cultural aspects. And what was interesting is that my best friends are from France. And when I got married and I invited them to Algeria and they were like, why are you doing your wedding in Algeria? I was like, because I'm Algerian. <laughs> like literally like my best friends that know me from high school, like we had friendships of 20 years and they're like, oh my God, I actually never realized you were Algerian. I said, yeah, because you were not interested in that part. And 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 when I would bring up something about my identity, they're like, oh, but you're different. You're a different type of Algerian. I'm like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. like you know so yeah it's it's a lot of work to do in terms of we're still a working progress in in that field of integration and and immigration and all those topics yeah and so what does it mean then you know you, you're living in France and then of course you 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 meet your husband who is Austrian right oh yeah and I became Austrian since then that's a whole story (laughs) right and 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 so was it for work that took him to you said you met him in Iran Mm -hmm. was it work that took him to Iran yeah okay I always love a good like romance story so how did you how did you guys end up meeting I love to tell the story my my husband Michael says it really well he always says in a sentence is the story of an Algerian girl born in India, living in France, who visits her parents in Iran and meets an Austrian guy at a Turkish party. <laughs> so okay. that's how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we met at the Turkish party in Iran. And so what was at that at that stage of life, because mm-hmm. you, you you gave us kind of the background where, you know, between school and work and where you were right now. What stage of life was he in? So was he coming out of school? Was he entering work? Had he had been working for a while? Was he just traveling? Oh, he's been a bachelor for a while and happy to be. <laughs> and I was, and I was a bachelorette and happy to be. <laughs> we were so not ready to. None of us thought of marriage, right, and all of that. So, um, yeah. So he's twelve years older than I am. So that, that he, I think that he was telling me last night again how he can't believe how he actually like married somebody so much younger than him <laughs> but at the end yeah that, that's not i think there's that's a that's not a big deal in a way but yeah so i don't know if i answered your question but he's been in his career for a long time before we met and he had been traveling the world on his own and moving from a country to another on his own he had had relationships here and there um and tried to move with their relationships but never really worked and then he met someone who's moved so much that it probably wouldn't it wouldn't phase it wouldn't phase her, and so you know obviously you guys you guys come from different backgrounds. Did he was he born and raised in in Austria? Yes. And so I I love asking this of our folks who are in cross cultural you know cross religious cross whatever relationships. What are the what is the merging that you had to do? Like, how did you navigate coming from, you know, different backgrounds? And and I would say even even I think even if you were Austrian, I think just even the fact that you moved around 
right? You can't, you had your own culture of moving around anyway. Like, how did you navigate that? Like, what are some of the things do you, do you think that you guys had to sort of think about intentionally because you grew up very differently and you grew up in very different places? This is such a good question. Um, a background story that can introduce this topic is that when we, first of all, we did not date anyone. We met and then we started emailing every day. It was clear that something was happening, but both of us were avoiding it for all the reasons, including the cultural reasons. And I was out of a relationship and I was like, not ready to commit anymore. I was like, I'm done. And if I go into something, it has to be serious. I'm just done with that time of figuring out if this is it or not. So when he came to visit me and we had our first kiss right after that, I said, you know what? it's still not going to work for all these reasons. We're so different. And not that I did not like the kiss. I love the kiss, but I started thinking of all the complications I'm going to put myself into that I did not want anymore in my life. And I said, listen, let's just, I'm looking for something serious. So let's, and let's just have fun this weekend. And then you go back to your country and then let's just forget. Let's just not go through that phase of like knowing, does he into me? Am I into him? But I just don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, no, I'm not into taking and just enjoying the weekend. He said, no, I actually have a better offer, offer to make you. He said, let's meet in this bar in one year. And um, and I bet that we'll be either married or on the verge of getting married. I was like, what? <laughs> and one year later, we met at that bar, although we were both in different countries at that point still. And it was one week before our wedding. Wait, 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 ma'am, stop. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not glossing over this. <laughs> you said you were in different countries. First of all, what country was the bar in? It was in France, in the north of France. Okay. I just said, yeah. okay. What country were you living in? I was still living in France, but as I knew I was going to get married, I quit my job a few months before and then went to Algeria for that reason to reconnect with my home country. Now that I was going to get married, I needed to figure out my relationship with my country. So I decided to go to Algeria and and Michael was in Iran and we were both organizing a wedding in Austria. (laughs) Okay. May I ask this question? Because I find this completely fascinating. I'm like all in your business right now. At any point, were you all living in the same country well before no. you got married or no? No, we only saw each other nine times before we got married. <laughs> and we never lived together before we got married. I love how you're you're looking at me and I'm looking at you. <laughs> they, the crowd can't see this, but they can see, they can read my face. I'm just looking at you, right? <laughs> it's a shame that there are no cameras. At I don't know. It, that face is priceless. <laughs> we could do this, but it's early in the morning and they don't need to see me without makeup. So you, okay. So basically your entire relationship was for the most part, long distance. It, it was always long distance, but there's one thing to answer your question. I know you're interested as well in intercultural aspects. First, for me, it was very important to tell him right after the first kiss what was important to me. So once, okay, we joked about that thing about meeting one year later, but I, when I realized he was really serious because he came back the next weekend because it was my birthday and it's a surprise. And I said, listen, I really appreciate that you're serious about this, but here are what is, here's what is important to me for a relationship that's serious and I want to know what's important to you and let's mm-hmm. see if it matches. And one of the things for me was if we have kids, I need them to be Muslim, right? And it's your, now you know, so that we don't get engaged in too much into this relationship where we feel like we'll give up on some things that are important to us. So expectations were important to communicate for me from the beginning, like what I'm flexible on, what I'm not flexible on and wow. vice versa. And 
And the other thing we did before our wedding, we, you know, I'm all about workshops and I used to, I still work with corporate companies and do a lot of mission statement work. And I did that for the two of us. So we did a mini session together on our mission statement, vision and values in a fun way with a lot of like, yeah, it wasn't so as serious as corporate, but we were serious with the intention of understanding where are our common values? What are the things that matter to us? Where do we see our future going? And how are we going to make sure to consistently check in with each other? Because things change and we evolve. And we came up with this thing and we decided to seal that conversation into our wedding bands, actually, with the logo of a migrant bird. And that one is actually the one that we keep looking at. I'm showing it to you here through the screen. I so it's like, it. a, and we actually have this ring that, and this symbol of this migrant bird that represents the conversation around our different cultures, what's important for us, what's not, and, and the commitment we make to each other to, to allow ourselves to evolve because nothing is set in stone, but to also be very honest and transparent with where we are and keep an open flow communication. That was crazy when I think about it now, <laughs> but um, I think that was very helpful. So I love the intentionality and I, and, and here's the thing though, I think it's also very reflective of you and just some of the work that I've seen you done anyway, and not, not, and that's not, that's not in a bad way at all. I think that the fact that you've got open communication, goal setting, expectations, figuring out, you know, being very sensitive to kind of the culture spaces that you're in and what you bring. I mean, I think that's what you do in your work as well. You just, you just had it in your relationship. I'm a freak. I know it's not. No, 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 but here's, you know what? And I, there's a reality to it. I think once again, you haven't grown up kind of a global citizen. Look, change is such a common in this life, right? And there's constant change. And if you don't voice things and kind of say what you expect mm -hmm. them to be, you don't necessarily get what you want. And then people get upset, right? And so when you say it that way, a long distance relationship with nine meetings before you get married actually makes sense. Right? <laughs> and it's not, here's the funny part. I've done this podcast long enough. It's not out of the ordinary for the right. relationships <laughs> in this space. Yeah. But I do think for listeners who have not had the privilege of moving and as much or moving at all or moving internationally, it sounds really foreign, right? It's yeah. like, we weren't even the same country and we're planning a wedding that's not even in the country that we're in, either of us. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, that's normal for my guest, but, <laughs> you know, so that makes sense. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so you got married in, in Austria, right? We had four weddings, but the official ceremony the civil one was in austria okay is it that's the one where a government says you're married <laughs> yeah that that's right? like the like right <laughs> every person has their version of official for for us that's our official like when we sign we sign our marriage, marriage certificate. certificate and had our friends over and we had a bigger wedding two bigger weddings in algeria another one in iran so <laughs> was, who was the one in iran for <laughs> was that for you it was all the people that couldn't make it to Algeria because of Michael's friends. And my parents used to live there. So their friends were there. Um, but I wouldn't say it was a wedding. It was a party. But the real weddings were in Algeria and Austria. Okay. So then the magical question is, you get married. <laughs> where do you where do you end up living? So far, we've been first in Iran, two years. And then we moved to Austria, two years. Then we moved to New York, seven years. And now we're back to Austria for two, for another couple of years. Yeah. So immediately after you got married, you were in Iran? Yeah. Very, very cool. 
And so I want to take a pause kind of from the personal and ask what was happening with the professional at that point. Mm -hmm. One thing that was really hard for me, and honestly, the hardest part of the moving was the my identity in terms of my professional identity because my you were talking about Algerian and all of that one of the biggest pieces of stable identity for me that I had built is my professional identity and my dreams my career my financial independence that was really important to me so I knew that I was not going to be able to find a job wherever we go so I immediately knew that starting my business was going to be the way to go to to be able to to live on the move and still continue to work and make my own money. Um, however, uh, one of the biggest challenges I learned right away is that it's not because you have a business that is sustainable across moves. And that's when I started becoming obsessed about how to make a business viable, sustainable, and financially profitable um, while living on the move. And the and honestly, that was like in 2011, where you know there were not as many tools as we have today to be able to make it portable. So I've been working for years to make sure to develop ways to create revenue streams that would not be disrupted through transition and moves. And um, and I've been working as a consultant for basically corporate companies and corporate communication, marketing, and corporate strategies. And and as we arrived in New York, I. I was reflecting all the amazing other partners like me who went through this journey. And I had some cases of severe depression around me and so, and really bad marriages that really didn't even end. They should have ended, but the person would stay there because financial dependence is creating that situation where you can't even leave a toxic relationship anymore. Um, so that bugged me a lot. That really, really bugged me. And I was like, it doesn't have to be this way. And that's when I was like, what can I do about this? And I thought about blogging. I thought about YouTube. And I was like, I can't write. I suck at it. I don't want to see my face on video. Right. And then I heard my first podcast show. I was like, that's it. That's it. I'm going to start a podcast to talk about dual career challenges of expert partners and how entrepreneurship is the solution for that. And that's how Tandem Nomads was born. So I ran this podcast um, on the side of my business, just like you've been doing many things as well. And at some point, I just like, I can't do all of this. And the podcast took off and people started asking me, how do you build a portable business? And that is when, um, when I decided to close my consulting business and focus on developing Tandem Nomads. And it's been now almost seven years in November is going to be seven years that I'm running Tandem Nomads and it's just been evolving over time and I've been developing a lot of online courses and I do one-on-one coaching I work with organizations actually who support their partners and their employees with entrepreneurship and with COVID what was interesting is that the business has evolved as well because there's more and more people who want to build a business that's aligned with our lifestyle, even if they don't move around. So basically at the end of the day, what I help people do now is really build a business that creates revenue, but also impact for the people they serve um, without burning out. We talked a lot, Amanda, you know, about burnout in my podcast, making sure that we attain to our mental health. So I'm really focused on that. How do we create a business that works for us instead of us working constantly for our business? You have one unheard message. 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In many ways, I can see why Tandem Nomad exists. And a previous guest, Juanita Ingram, who some of you already know, she talks about what do you do with yourself when the identity you had before you moved completely shift. Mm -hmm. and, and in her case, she was a very successful professional. She had already moved once within the United States because of her husband's corporate career. She's an attorney. Um, and had to take the bar a second time <laughs> so she could practice in the state because they moved to where his his opportunity came. But then their first international movement, and they've since had a couple to London, just floored her. And so I'm curious with the work that you do, um, what is it that you see, especially with those who had been professionals, right, who now they move Forever, you know, they move because of a partner or whatever situation. What are the things that maybe are the unexpected that they they run up against that maybe they didn't anticipate? Because I mm -hmm. think we get caught up in the move, right? Like I'm moving to Singapore, I'm moving to France, I'm moving to Ghana, right? And then you get there and it's like, <laughs> mm. wait a minute. Yeah. Right. Wow. So one thing you said that I think is important is that most people would prepare and advance all the logistics, but not necessarily the inner work <laughs> of why I'm actually doing this and what I'm expecting from this. And uh, we cannot prepare everything, right? It's just not possible to be ready for everything. But what we can do is really over the years, and although it's not a one-time thing, so be very clear of where we want to be. And even if we're not clear, is to how to say to to 
work towards it. And if we can't get those answers on our own, get the help we need to have that clarity on where is my zone of genius? Where do I want to have an impact? What do I want to really do? So that's the first thing. But the, before even that, a lot of the people who actually move have a strong identity back home or back in especially in terms of Korea. And that Korea, like I said before, is often a huge piece of that identity. And what I found when I started working in Nomez is that although I would bring this magic formula, right? I'd like to exaggerate, but um, that I see that there is a solution and this is how you can do it. A lot of people are at the beginning, although things are changing, thankfully, but we'll be stuck because, for example, if there are doctors, like, but if I can't be a doctor, if I'm a lawyer, if I can't be a lawyer everywhere, that's not portable, right? It's like, yes, but it's not because you can't be that traditional lawyer in the suit with your kids, you know, with your cases and a doctor with your patients. You can still dive in your zone of genius to build something that can make an impact and create revenue from it. And it's not, for me, I don't like the term reinvention. I stopped talking about reinvention, but instead evolution. I don't think that it's healthy to constantly have to reinvent ourselves every time we move. I did that. And at some point, it leads to not knowing anymore who you are because you're always adapting to the circumstances. And instead, it's important to figure out really where is your zone of genius? Who you want to be? What are your the, the values that you really are attached to what is the impact you want to make in the world and based on that like adapt it to the circumstances instead of you constantly adapting to the circumstances and yeah to go back to that professional identity some people would just struggle to give up that identity when actually you're not giving it up you're just packaging it in a different way i have an example of a pharmacist uh, who actually came up with this great idea. So how can I use my zone of genius in pharmacy to come up with an idea uh, to help people? And she was like, one of the biggest challenges is as an expat is to keep records of your medical, uh, your medical um, history record. Yeah. History and all of that. It's like, how can I use my expertise in that to actually help create a, an app or something to help people who live on the move, keep track of their medical history? So this is a great idea. So this is there's so many other ideas. There's a lawyer that I interviewed who managed to also do that, to turn her legal company into something portable because she managed to build a network worldwide of other lawyers who could send, serve the clients worldwide, right? So if we just reframe that identity and not attach identity with actual more the logistical part of how you how you implement that zone of genius and how you deliver it to people. I think that's really important too. To, and that's the part where I'm, I've made it my mission for a long time to help people do that. Like think outside the box and understand you don't have to reinvent yourself. You just have to be clear about who you want to be and how you can bring your special gift to the world in a way that works for you in the circumstances that you live in. So is it fair to say by the nature of, of having your business, these are things you had to do? <laughs> yes, so smart. <laughs> I did have to do that. Um, I did have to do that. And let's say it was really hard at the beginning. I remember I was crying on the floor after my third month in Iran. I was like, what the <laughs> heck am I doing here? Like, this is a nightmare. 
it was just crazy. And then I realized, and by the time I left Iran, thankfully I started thinking about this before, but I have started to have a business I picked up and I had to give away all my business because with the sanctions, I lost like 70% of the value of my contracts. Wow. So wow. it's like so hard, right? It was so, so hard. But in terms of identity, I was the wife of my husband. Everybody would introduce me like that. And the daughter of my father, because he used to be an ambassador there. Like nobody would introduce me as who I am until I decided to step in my power and say, hey, this is my name and this is what I do. And you don't even say need to say what I do. This is who I am. You don't need to say I'm the wife of XYZ. Like I had to step into, but then the more confident I got, and it's funny, yesterday I was in an event and that happened again. Somebody, it didn't happen for a long time now that somebody tells me, oh, introduce me as the wife of. And interestingly, the more confident you are, the less it matters anymore. Like I'm almost mm-hmm. to, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I don't mind being his wife because I know who I am now, right? I'm not in that place of lack of confidence and fear of my future that I actually need people so badly to know that I'm my own thing, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I know I am. No, that's pretty powerful, actually, because it seems like you've gotten to the stage where you're very rooted as yeah. as who you are so that, okay, yeah, sure, I am this person's wife. Sure, I'm this person's daughter, but... You know, it's it. You, I don't need to lead with what I do because I know what exactly. I do is good, yeah. and I get affirmed in what I do anyway. So exactly. I don't need r- random person who does not yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, how long did it take you to get to that point, though? Let's be honest. Oh, so much time, <laughs> and there's so much variation of that evolution, right? Yeah. Uh, and and it still doesn't stop. Like that's the thing. We always think entrepreneurship is a linear journey, like upwards or downwards right but (laughs) it's it's not like that it's a continuous up and down up and down so I could tell you many times even recently where I broke down right because I'm like oh my god my business is evolving so much and I feel like sometimes it's really hard because I as you say as I said before I used to work a lot with expats and now I have a lot of different people coming to me and it and and it, it forces me to you know, talk differently, brand differently, market differently. My team is changing now and and it's so much work and so much uncertainty right now, so much transition. I'm like, oh my God. Right. And my friend calls it the bug soup. Like before you become a butterfly, you need to swim in the bug soup. Oh God. <laughs> and be comfortable with the bug soup, right? Yeah. And to be and and I think being okay with transitions, I think if we expect to have a linear life, we can guarantee ourselves to be disappointed, right? So I did have really hard times and I broke down many times in this journey for many reasons. And I think the biggest thing is to just accept that it's okay to sometimes not feel good. It's okay to sometimes feel weak. It's okay sometimes to realize, okay, I'm not feeling it. And it doesn't have to question everything else you've achieved so far. And that's the thing that we do when we are in times of difficulties. We question everything else that worked instead of just saying, okay, this is not going so well right now. What can I do to move forward or just sit in stillness and let it pass sometimes? That's all it requests. But going back and questioning everything else we've achieved is the thing that I feel like we do a lot in terms of crisis mm-hmm. instead of like embracing it and using it as a force to say, look, you managed at that time. You can do it again. It's funny, like you said something and I don't want this to like, you kind of said in the background, but I I want to bring it to the Mm -hmm. forefront because I think it is a moment of honesty that folks have to understand. 
as you've admitted, your business has changed and transformed probably since you originally conceived it, right? Mm -hmm. If we're just looking at Pandora Nomads, your population has shifted. Doesn't mean that you don't have the original population, but it has shifted, expanded. It's evolved, yeah. It's not like a pivot, but it's an evolution, right? Right. And I, you know, I have these conversations with folks, particularly when it, I think you can tell folks who've been in entrepreneurship and people who haven't, because I think people in entrepreneurship recognize after a while, either by force or by intentionality, that things may change and may have to change, right? Depending on what's going on with your business. And, and so I'm curious for you as someone who in, intentionally and initially, and it made sense, focused on expats, how has it, how has it been for you personally to kind of have to make a shift because there's there's what's good for the business right and especially mm-hmm. and especially let's be honest sometimes we start these things because we see ourselves in them right <laughs> we yeah. do we see ourselves in them and then it sh- it it has to change mm-hmm. and maybe now it looks different than maybe an area we even have a personal connection to but how mm-hmm. has it been for you personally going from a business that had a very very explicit space to okay, we're shifting here. And, and was it, was it for you? Cause I, there, there, there are definitely things that I'm dealing with right now where I'm like, I'm ready to move on because I, I am ready to move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also the market has kind of shifted and moved on. And then there are other things where I'm like, I don't know if I want to go in that direction, but it makes sense for where we are. So I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you, for you, if there was any kind of personal, all right, the demographics are changing. How am I connecting with this? It's a tough place to be, honestly. It's it's a tough place to be, but it would be interesting to talk about this. I'm curious to see if I'm going to talk about it differently, like in, in a few months from now, a few years from now. Yeah. But what, first of all, is helping me to not freak out completely is to realize that it's not like a big shift. It's not a shift. It's actually an evolution. And... um change for me the the hard part is change is not the content of its change it's like getting out of the comfort zone i've done things in a certain way for so long that it's really hard sometimes to get out of that comfort zone but in more pragmatically to answer your questions about this particular situation where i am where i worked a lot with expats and now this population is evolving and shifting and getting wider one of the things i realized there's a difference between and that's also i had to step back and look at my thing more as a marketing perspective where it's actually it's not because I'm mar- I have to sh- change maybe a little bit my content strategy to be- make sure that the new clients that are coming to me feel seen and heard um that I cannot continue to work with the expats all right it's not because your marketing is focused or or tailored to a certain group of people that you can't work with the others. And the other thing that's interesting is that I'm not completely shifting from the expert world because the people who attract are globally minded no matter what. It's just that even the experts I work with now, they don't like to be identified as expats. They just see themselves as global nomads, as global citizens, as globally minded people. And I think that's so it's just a, a change of perspective and vocabulary, maybe. But at the end of the day, they're all like-minded people. The common thing between all my clients is that even if they don't move around the world, they're very globally minded. And, and in that way, I calmed myself a little bit and say, listen, this is not like, it's still the same people that I'm serving. It's just that my audience has evolved with me. 
right? Mm -hmm. And they're growing with me, which led me to attract other people naturally. It's just that my marketing is not representing that new population that's coming into me too, right? So, and having to make those changes is not easy right now and I haven't made them yet. So um, we'll see. I know that in terms of content in my podcast, I already implemented some of those changes to make sure that people who listen to the podcast who are not seen or identify as expats still feel like they are seen and heard and and mm-hmm. and not like so that because no matter what, what I offer is the same thing, no matter who you are, right? I offer marketing and business and tips to help them build a business that's aligned with their lifestyle whether the lifestyle is about moving around or being a caregiver. It's all about aligning. My key word is alignment. How do you build a business that's aligned with who you are and with the bandwidth you have, the lifestyle you have, and your priorities in life? Mm -hmm. Because I believe that we've taught, we've been taught too many times and too long that entrepreneurship is about sacrificing everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that. I think you can build a successful business without sacrificing everything everything and that narrative needs to change you know what and you're you're so right because i can see how your services it does not matter what the label is Mm -hmm. it it really is an alignment and where your life and your business is and even when we look at traditional expats expatriation has changed and i find Mm -hmm. myself telling groups all the time that have worked with expat groups So many people now, and I know you see this with your digital nomads, are leaving without sending agencies. Mm -hmm. You know, the traditional government, military, mission, service, business groups, right? Corporate groups. But so many people, I'm sure you're meeting them, are like, look, I just want to live in Indonesia. Mm Bali is amazing. And I want to run this business. Your, Your tips and tools and resources still apply to them irrespective of whether they go because they want to run their own business digitally or they got sent by the British government. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so in that, in that sense, I think that you're very much in front of where we're going. I mean, I I think that the companies that are going to survive, look at what's happening in the world and not what we want it to be, but what it, what it is. Right. Because, and I think that's hard with an entrepreneur, right? Because I I always tell folks, especially people are starting out, like, I want to do this thing. I'm like, okay, but here's the thing. Do other people want the thing <laughs> that you want to do? And is the world ready to receive it? Or can you make a, can you make a slight shift so that it is palatable to, to the world and yet you're still walking in what you can do? Because I, I, you're saying something that's giving me goosebumps right now. No, because real talk in business, we get excited. We're like, I want to sell this widget, right? This one, Mm. this little weird thing, right? And it's great, but nobody wants to buy it. So like, like, do you need to make a slight change so that people buy it? Or, and, 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 and that, I think that's what's hard, especially for the early entrepreneurs, the people who are going into digital nomad spaces, who are like, okay, I want to sell this thing. And I say, okay, to who are you selling it to, local or abroad? And is it going to be received? And and what I think what you just said was a practical example of you still walking in your purpose and mission, but also seeing the greater external need. Because here's the thing, you could have very easily just said, I'm only doing, it's expats. I'm not moving. I've done expats. 
and it would have been what it would be. And it could it could continue like that. I wouldn't have a problem with that. It's just that you said something now. It's so big. And I thank you for that because it's a great reminder. Um, it's about that bigger vision, right? When we have a big vision uh, and we are clear about it, and that goes back to the relationship story, mm-hmm. I think it's much easier to evolve yeah. and change than if we don't have. So the vision and my mission is the same no matter who I serve, right? It's it, um, the, My big vision in life is to help people live up to their full God-given potential thanks to entrepreneurship. That's my thing. But also is to make sure that they do it while aligning it with who they are and what is important to them in life beyond just the revenue, right? And the purpose and all of that, that's also important. So no matter how I do it, it's fine. But I also realize it's another thing that you said that's interesting is who's ready to hear it. I don't know what wording you said. I remember that when I launched Tandem Nomads, I was the only one talking of entrepreneurship as a solution to dual career challenges. And also also talking about the importance of financial independence and I was putting the finger of spouses of mm-hmm. expat spouses and I had a lot of backlash a lot of people came to me who dare you like why don't you respect women who want to stay home it's like I never attacked them if you want to stay home you stay home but why do you feel attacked like I had I remember I had a woman a spouse who came to me and said does it mean that I'm worth nothing because I don't work I said no I'm just saying that if you want to there are venues for you. And if, but the fact that it frustrates you that there are opportunities for you if you want to, says something. <laughs> and and it's really interesting. I got a lot of backlash and now I'm happy to see so many people starting their businesses, right? I feel like my mission in the world of expatriation, that message that I had, entrepreneurship as a solution to dual career challenges, it was my motto for Tandem Nomads. Yeah. Has, the motto has changed. It's not anymore entrepreneurship as a solution to dual career challenges because look at, everybody's doing it now. Yeah. Seven years ago, nobody was doing it. And I had to convince people that everybody could be an entrepreneur, although... I mean, that's just a summer, like a, a gross way to say it. But now I had a meeting yesterday. I was a networking event and I realized I started getting attacked again. <laughs> really? And that's, oh, that's a good sign. Although I was very frustrated. I was like, oh, I had to calm first myself because I was very pissed at being attacked. But then I realized, oh, that's actually a good sign. I remember that day with that woman just caught, went crazy on you at this networking event for calling you whatever she said i don't remember what she said but what were they um, attacking you for recently now again <laughs> so interestingly i was in a very corporate event and you know that the world is going and you were talking about vision right how yeah. we place ourselves in the what's and the capacity to see ahead of time what's happening yes. Yes. like portable business nobody was talking about it and since right. covid everybody's looking at portability and and remote work right yeah so i i feel like i'm redundant now i'm not like saying anything new when I was one of the few ones talking about that before. But now the market is that there is this huge shortage of highly qualified people in the labor market. And companies are struggling because the managers and top senior executives are actually leaving their jobs. They're done. And a lot of my clients are these people. They're like, I'm done. I want to continue to work. I want to continue to make money, but I want to do it in my own terms. Yeah. And obviously these companies are not happy because I'm one of those who actually help those people to get away from their companies. Yeah. And it's like how irresponsible it is. Imagine a world if we can't have anybody working. Nobody wants to work anymore. Everybody's lazy. So you're basically helping people be more lazy. I said, no, <laughs> I'm helping people make more impact in a more clever way in this world. Because obviously if people are leaving your company, you should ask yourself why. 
And maybe you should think of more creative ways too, to also move the people within the pipeline who are in your company that want to stay. Exactly. That's just me though. <laughs> and it's interesting. I was telling her, you know, this person, I was, I, because we were debating, I said, you know, that there are companies who are actually, my clients get actually sabbatical from their bosses to help them figure out if they're ready. It's like, how stupid, and the, the person said, like, how stupid is this manager who would do that? Why would, why would I give a sabbatical to an employee so that I can prepare them to leave me? I said, well, that's what empowering people is about. This is what it increases your labor as an employer, your brand, your employee, employer branding and all of that. And on top of it, a lot of them actually continue to work with the company as partner and bring even extra value and bring them other people. Like, it's like, there's another way to look at this than, oh my God. And it's such a place of scarcity instead of a place of abundance and impact in the world as a company. You see what I mean? It's just, I'm sorry. I'm ranting here, but I was like, wow, this woman. Like, and you're, and you're so angry at me. <laughs> you're totally right. I, I, my, I have an employer for those of you who do know, and they do the sabbatical thing. And I, I know someone who was on a three month sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot where she went to, but you know, it, if you, if people are shown to be valued and they're shown that you, that you respect what they do exactly. and, you, and you aren't patronizing to them they can stay with you. And that's whether you're you're an entrepreneur running a company or that's whether you have a company and you're an employee in a company. And so uh, you're right. I think if if people are getting mad at you, then you're definitely doing the right. <laughs> that's right. I thought we were saying this. You're doing the right. It doesn't always feel good when you're on the other no, side. Yesterday it didn't feel good because it happened three times in the same oh, no. evening. I'm like, why? <laughs> I, I thought mean, that everybody would be excited. Oh, and no. Actually, I was like, oh my God, all this hate. <laughs> wow. Mean, well, look at it. The hate worked out for you the first time. So it's going to work yeah. out for you the second time. And so yeah. I, as we as we start to wind down, I, I'm curious and I, I would love for people to hear this. Looking forward, what do you think is sort of the future with the work that you're doing with Tandem Nomads? I think that the future of my work and the future, I think, of the world we're going into if I had to summarize it, the key word would be fluidity, being comfortable with fluidity. Um, and by that, there's so many directions I could go, but it's interesting how we live in a world where things are black or white. And we're getting more and more in a world where people are starting to say it doesn't have to be black or white, right? And it's the same with career. It's the same with work. It's the same with purpose. It's the same with volunteering. It's the same with identity. Like accepting a world where we don't have to do it all according to yes or no, black or white, or like allowing people to be comfortable, not only with fluidity, but also uncertainty and thrive in that. And that's what I want to contribute in building a world where we can be everything at the same time. We could do anything we want. And we could also, it's okay if you want to build a business and at the same time do something else, it's okay. Right. But important is to know how to make it work for you. And at the end of the day, that's where I'm really passionate about is how to create a, a, a sense of purpose and also financial independence, which is also important, um, and financial freedom while not having to sacrifice what brings us joy in life, what brings us um, happiness. The quali- You know what triggered this whole thing was the fact that my father was very sick and he passed away unfortunately and i needed to adjust my business to be able to spend quality time with him 
And that's when I'm like, I can't run my business like crazy anymore. I needed, I needed to rethink it. And as, but I did not want to give up my, my clients. I did not want to give up my business. So I needed to think about how can I make it work for me? And the world is changing. And, and I think it's important that our society accepts that we need to make mental health, physical health and meaningful work count and put it at the center of how we run our society. And I think that's important. So I can't think of any other powerful way to kind of close this episode because I feel like what you said is not only advice and it's helpful, but it's something that I am living and practicing right Mm -hmm. now as we were talking off air. And so you're right, which in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that was so good. (laughs) people need to listen to her podcast where can they find you if they want to listen to your work or they want to connect with you or just see your resources so the best place to find me is on tandemnomads.com and you can also find me on instagram and linkedin Uh, and if you want to learn about how to build a portable business and a business alive with your lifestyle i recommend you to go to tandemnomads.com slash the receipt where I share with you my whole framework. And when you download that, just tick the box to sign up to the newsletter so you can have um, my weekly insights on how you can do that. And if you have any questions, when you download that workbook, you'll have my email address and I will answer personally. So don't hesitate to, to leave any questions you might have. I'm happy to help and send you any resources I could share with you. And as always, we will have your information up on our website, we will also have it in the show notes. We will probably have a newsletter, <laughs> probably. And if you missed all of that, follow us on social media because we follow her. So you can, I always say, if you can't find a guest, just follow us. We're following them. <laughs> all right, Amel, we finally did it. Y'all don't we know how long it. it took us, but we finally, it's, it's busy schedules and life and everything. But I so grateful for your wisdom and just you coming on this lovely day to share all this information it's been lovely what a great excuse to have these podcasts to be able to chat and but i hope that our listeners also got a lot of insights for them and i hope and wish you all a wonderful journey ahead you've just listened to an episode of the global chatter which is hosted by me amanda bates it is edited by stephanie Ficchio. don't forget to subscribe to the global chatter on your favorite podcast platform you can also follow us on instagram at the global chatter or stop by Twitter and find us at Global Chat Pod. If you have a question, want to subscribe to the newsletter, or are interested in sponsoring, visit theglobalchatter.com. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.